Bristol College a couple of years ago. We went on a trip to some of the Ypres war graves. While we were there, we stopped at a city. I guess it was Ypres. I just remember chocolate, um, which has a large stone gate that's inscribed with many thousands of names of people who gave their lives in just part of that war. Thousands and thousands of people. And Debs and I found many of the names that we're actually going to be looking at later today. Some of those that are on our memorial, those people who lived here. We often don't like thinking about difficult things, painful things, things like war and death. Sometimes it would be easier just to not bother and to try and pretend it never happens. But we must. It's a fine balancing act, though. If we go too far one way, we can end up glorifying war and maybe even thinking about it too much. But we need to think about awful things sometimes to make them real, to allow ourselves to grieve and to take warning for the future. Because we need to take heed of the warnings from our history. The First World War, of course, was called the war to end all wars, but we know that that is far from the case. War is still happening. The ideologies and politics that led to the next World War didn't just come out of nowhere. I don't know enough politics to start, to start talking about it now, but I wonder if there's anybody here who knows exactly when Hitler's manifesto Mein Kampf was published. It was 1925. 1925. So important that we need to pay attention to what is going on around us at this point. We are, of course, living in a time of intense political and social change. And this week has been tumultuous for many people. I wonder how many of us here have had a conversation with a complete stranger this week because of the American elections. Everybody has been talking about it. Somebody even tried to talk to me about it when I'd just run five miles. I could not do that. <laughs> but, but people really want to talk about the big things of life. And sometimes it just takes something like an important election for that to happen. Now, I'm going to use a prop to help us remember why we're remembering today. Many of you are wearing poppies. And you can probably see one on somebody next to you. If not, there are a few up here that you can look at as I speak. Have a look at the black center of the poppy. This helps us to remember the darkness at the heart of war. The darkness at the heart of people which leads to war. Hate, suffering, pride, violence. Now, I know there are some people here who remember living through a war, and there are some people here who have seen active service. Many of us have never had to live through a war, and a war that actually physically affected us where we were living. But we need to remember that at this very moment, there are thousands of members of the British Armed Forces deployed all over the world. Many of them are at war. Jesus knew that war was inevitable. Our gospel reading today is set towards the end of his life. 
And many people have tried to read these sayings of Jesus as direct predictions at the end of time, but we can look at them in a lot of different ways. He was speaking to the people that he loved about what was going to be happening to them. And we know that it did. He was also vision casting for what would happen in the future. He was not giving people cryptic clues about exactly when the world was going to end. If anybody ever tells you they know when the world's going to end, ignore them and possibly run away because um, history has shown time and time again that that doesn't work. What Jesus was doing was telling them that there was going to be a lot of time ahead when a lot of human things were going to happen. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, wars and rumors of wars. Because war is inevitable, there's something in our heart that wants to fight, that wants to assert ourselves over people to get our own way. One of the best illustrations I know about this is parking. In our streets, we park on the street in front of the houses. Some people have driveways, but not everybody. Of course, in my head, I know that I don't own the bit of street right outside my house, okay? But this doesn't stop me feeling intensely angry and frustrated when I drive back to the house with loads of stuff in the car that needs to be unloaded and somebody has parked outside number 33. That is mine. I want to know who that person is and I want to ask them to move. I know it's ridiculous, but it feels like a violation of my space. I know that it's stupid and everyone has a right to park there, but the anger remains. And who knows what could happen if I gave in to that. I haven't though, don't worry. And if there's anybody here who lives at, uh, on Sunvale, I have not keyed your car ever. <laughs> you can see how wars can happen, even with that stupid illustration. One terrible idea is shared with another person. And then that terrible idea becomes normal. A war can result from one person's dark, evil thoughts. Just remember how long people had to think about those thoughts in, in Hitler's manifesto before anything happened. So, war is at the heart of people. Darkness, there's something there. And then if we move on to the red part of the poppy, the red can, of course, symbolize the blood of those who died in the wars we are remembering. Now, the language used, often used here, always interests me. We talk of people who gave their lives, lay down their lives, but I'm pretty sure that none of those people wanted to die. None of them were happy to die. Death is a terrible, awful thing, and there is no sense in it. It is the opposite of good. The Allied graveyard we visited near Ypres was actually quite beautiful. Well-tended, a lovely open area, light stone headstones with names on them, most of them, and a feeling of hope despite the sadness. By far, though, the more affecting thing for me was our visit to the German war graves. The graveyard was sent, set back from a main road with a dark wall all round it. In order to get to the gate, we had to walk through this very dark tunnel with no windows, lit only by small lights and by TV screens, which were showing images from the war. Very creepy and dark. And the gate itself looked like the entrance to a concentration camp. 
but by far the most awful thing for me. And I, I just had to stand there for ages, not believing what I could see was what greets you as you walk into the graveyard, which is filled with large, dark trees and some headstones. Right in front of the entrance is an area 10 meters squared, which is the first thing you see. And then you notice a small plaque at the bottom of it telling you that over 10,000 people are buried there. 10,000 people. Most of the graves there have no names. It's impossible to imagine and it is not right and we have to fight against this these things make us know that there is something wrong about war those two graveyards are very different of course but we must always remember that God is present in each of those places God is the God of all people even those we don't agree with God is the God of true justice God is the God of true mercy. And I love what the Celtic Christians say about God. God is the God who is. Through all situations, God is. God was there in all of those battles. God is with us through the current political upheaval. God is present even through the darkest of times. Our psalm today reminds us of God's perfect love and power. But we remember that we worship a God who knows what it is to suffer. Every time we come together to celebrate communion, we remember a death. We remember the death of Christ Jesus, fully man and fully God. We remember that love conquers death. And with that love comes hope. And now we come to the green bit of our poppies, the leaf or the stem symbolizing growth because it's not just about death it's not just about remembering death it's remem- remembering life we believe as christians that christ came back to life he was resurrected and we remember that we as human beings can grow and change and become the people that god intends us to be how do we do that well it's always a good idea to start with jesus He showed us how to love each other. He gave all that he was for other people. Now, I'm not expecting us all to go out and die for each other. Jesus' death on the cross was a once-for-all thing. But there are a couple of things I'd like to suggest that are areas in which we can grow into people of peace. And this is the areas of forgiveness and justice. Jesus told his followers that they had to forgive again and again and again, uncountable times. This does not seem possible. It is a far from easy thing. Imagine all the loved ones of those men buried there near Ypres. How would they have been able to forgive the nameless, faceless soldiers who killed their husbands, sons and brothers? Perhaps some of them never felt that they could forgive. And who could blame them? I love the story of Corrie ten Boom that she tells in her wonderful book, The Hiding Place. She and her family were imprisoned in a German concentration camp for helping Jewish people escape from their home in, in, uh, in Holland. Her brother and sister died. She was dreadfully treated. She talks movingly of confronting one of the guards after the war at church, 
how hard it was to make the move of forgiveness towards him. And she says, I knew forgiveness, not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. It's not something that just happens. Sometimes we need to forgive over and over and over. I wonder if you know somebody who is stuck in unforgiveness. The thing is, forgiveness is at the heart of Jesus' message to us. If we don't forgive, we can't move on. And the hatred and anger that lead to war eat away at us. I wonder if there is something that you are finding hard to forgive somebody about at the moment. Maybe it's been sitting on your heart for a while, eating away. I've got to tell you, there is very little you can do about this on your own. The good news is that we can grow in forgiveness with God's help. All we have to do is ask. And actually the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to be praying together later, is part of that is a plea for forgiveness. Teach us to forgive. So we can grow in forgiveness. We can also grow to be people of true justice. God is a God of justice. As we heard in the psalm, God is the God who will come to judge. Following God, though, isn't about letting people in power walk all over us. It's not about... No, it's about learning to listen to God's heart of justice and then to do something about it. God is the God of all things, of all people, of the whole world, everything. Every single living thing in our world reveals something of the character of God. If we really believe this, we must work for justice in the world. There is so much happening around us that twists the things of the world, the people of the world, in ways that we can't live with. I told you about something that makes me angry, a real thing that makes me angry. I wonder what really makes you angry about the world. And be honest with yourself about this. Someone asked this question on Facebook because she was doing some research for a a sermon, actually. And she got lots of people saying things like injustice, poverty, war, and homelessness. Okay, these are all very, very good things to be angry about because they should make us angry. They're very bad. But they're not very specific, are they? But then the conversation got a bit more interesting when she asked people to be specific. What have you actually been angry about this week? People started writing things that really riled them, like somebody nicking my parking space. And when people pick up their dog's poo in a bag and then throw it into a tree where nobody can get at it. So that was the kind of things that really made people angry. These things, joking aside, they show us something about ourselves. Maybe they show that person who didn't like to, to see horrible things hanging in a tree that the world is meant to be a beautiful place. We need to do something about it. Sometimes we can see that God is speaking to us through the things that make us angry. Perhaps you can think of a few things that make you angry. But our anger should never lead to war and fighting. It should lead to justice. Justice can be wider than our legal system. It can be wider than our political system. It can be bigger than that. Although we are thankful for these things. 
At this moment, for instance, the Church of England is getting on board with a campaign to help churches become more ecologically friendly. And we're going to be heading up um, this campaign here at St. Stephen's soon. This is a great thing to get on board with. God is a God of justice for the whole world. We are made in his image. So we need to grow into a people of justice. So God is a God who encourages our growth. Under God, forgiveness grows. Justice grows. Our poppy can teach us a lot. It's a great symbol. The black reminds us, of course, of the evil in the heart of people that can lead to war. The red reminds us of those who died so we can have freedom, including the freedom won for us by Jesus Christ. And the green reminds us of growth, that we can grow in forgiveness and that we can grow in our commitment to justice, true justice. In the middle of all the stuff of life, there is always hope. As the poppies bloomed on those battlefields, we remember that growth and change is always possible with God. Amen.